to our Good Friday Reflection. Our first reading is taken from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 52, beginning at the 13th verse. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they shall see, and that which they have not heard they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity and as one from whom others hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities, and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Our second reading today is taken from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, beginning at the 16th verse. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. When there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Our Gospel reading for Good Friday is taken 
from the Gospel according to John, chapter 18, beginning at the first verse. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with the police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, For whom are you looking? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, For whom are you looking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfil the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had, had, who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing round it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again Peter denied it, and at that moment the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters, so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. 
This was to fulfil what Jesus had said when he had indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him to yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard of this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. For then on Pilate, From then on Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the inscription, because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. 
When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfil what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew all that was now finished, he said, in order to fulfil the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath especially because the Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave his permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in with spices and linen cloths, according to the burial customs of the Jews. Now there was a garden in that place where he was crucified. And in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Here ends the readings. It was dark when they left the upper room. The darkness was only to increase for the end was beginning. The small band of followers, exhausted by their emotions, pulling them both to joy and dread, fear and faith, followed behind their king on his way to the garden to pray. The traitor was gathering, the storm was arriving, and the calm before that storm was upon them. The disciples had accepted the new covenant, having celebrated the Passover in the presence of the true Paschal Lamb. The disciples didn't yet fully realise that what happened to all Paschal Lambs would happen to their Paschal Lamb too, once for all, as he sealed the new covenant in his own blood. They were uplifted by the communion, yet distraught at the dark prophecies and hints from their Lord. Their exhaustion would betray their tattered hearts. Jesus prepared himself in the garden. 
It was there, in this forgotten corner outside Jerusalem, in the wilderness, just outside the walls, that he, that his giving of everything, his ultimate gift of love, was to begin. And it was dark. The darkness began to be punctuated by lights. But their light was not a comfort, but simply made the darkness round them darker, as the torches of the gang of guards, soldiers and Pharisees, came to arrest Jesus. The first loss the loss of one so loved approached. That first loss, the loss of Judas, happened with a kiss. The gang, after getting over their fear of arresting the Son of Man, the man who had performed so many miracles, go to bind him. Jesus is about to lose his liberty. Before they can, Peter cuts the ear off the high priest's slave. Jesus rebukes Peter. He tells Peter that he is choosing this, that he is volunteering to drink the cup his father has given him. The disciples desert him. Jesus loses his friends. Having lost his friend to Satan, his liberty and his followers, Jesus is marched to the high priest to lose yet more in the darkness. The high priests question him as he is bound about his disciples and his teaching. Ever the rabbi, Jesus answers the high priest with his usual authority. I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. However, the guard strikes him. He has lost his authority among these men. In grief, he questions the guard who struck him. But he realises that his heart, that the hearts of these men has been darkened. He is sent to Caiaphas where he loses his rock as Peter denies him three times, and in the morning is sent to Pilate. There, outside Pilate's headquarters, they ask for the death penalty for Jesus. Pilate, never wanting to cause more trouble in this restive province, brings Jesus in to try and question him and find a way out of this problem. Pilate does all he can to avoid crucifying Jesus, but not for Jesus' sake, as an innocent victim, but rather for his own sake, knowing the popularity of Jesus may lead to riots if he were to be killed. Pilate prefers the darkness to the light. Using his political cunning, Pilate tries to force them to free Jesus by offering the crowd Barabbas the murderer or Jesus as a goodwill gesture at Passover. Jesus loses his people when they scream for Barabbas. The hearts of the crowd have also been darkened. Pilate has Jesus flogged and mocked by the soldiers. His clothes are taken and in front of the brain soldiers he is beaten, skin torn, blood drenched in the early morning of a spring day before being reclothed. He is crowned in mockery of his reality. The thorns tearing through the flesh amid the scream and the laughter. Jesus has begun to lose his health, well-being and dignity that will only stop at the ninth hour that day. He is brought out once more and Pilate says to the crowd, Here is the man, hoping that the beating and humiliation is enough. It isn't. Crucify him, crucify him, they bray. Eventually, when Pilate sees that this crowd are the more important to please, he relents. Jesus is handed over to the soldiers to be crucified. Jesus' dignity and health continues to be lost as he is forced to carry his own cross to the place of execution alongside others condemned to die. The mocking, the crying, the screaming and the laughing mingle and Jesus is led off to his death. 
although in a crowd Jesus is alone. Darkness is descending even as the sun continues to rise in the sky. At the place of execution, large, rough, cheap nails pierce the body of the now naked Jesus as he writhes and screams in agony. He has lost almost everything, but more is to be lost as his naked, broken body is lifted by its wounds upon the tree. More than his body weighs him down, as the darkness of countless betrayals from the apple to the end, from all of humanity, from all over the world, are heaped upon the broken man. The true lamb is being slaughtered, slaughtered for the sins of the world. Hanging there, derided, shattered, broken, bleeding, burdened, cursed, the Son of God drinks God's cup to the full, every last drop. As the soldiers gamble, as the people mock, as the darkness obscured the sun, Jesus gives his mother into the care of his friend. He, is, he having lost all dignity, has now lost his family. Jesus, now dying, has lost Judas, lost his friends, his liberty, his authority, his people, his dignity, his health, his well-being and his family. Jesus has nothing else to lose, nothing else to give or to be taken except his life. He has given all, he has given everything, has carried everything and has lost everything. Finally, saying it is finished, Jesus gives up his life, all for love. He bows his head and he is gone. The light is out, the darkness complete. On that terrible day, foretold by the prophets, foretold by Jesus himself, the sacrifice is complete. The price of our salvation more terrible than we could ever know. The cost of loving his creation cost God everything he had to give, and he gave it willingly for the sake of our humanity. The cost of love, of true love, is always everything we are. Jesus had paid the tab. His secret follower, Joseph of Arimathea, goes to see the coward Pilate and gets permission for Jesus' body to be removed. As the sun sank, the son, broken, torn, beaten and dead, was removed from the cross. As the darkness gathered, Nicodemus, who had come to the Lord first in darkness, helped prepare his body in haste, as they rushed to a nearby new tomb, so as not to be working as the Sabbath started at sunset. They lovingly wrapped the broken body of Jesus in expensive perfumes and funeral cloth. According to their customs, the last thing these brave men can do for their Lord. As the darkness encroaches, they seal the tomb, hurrying through the twilight. It is finished and all creation waits, breath held, as total night falls. Amen. Amen.